Thanks for listening to the AI and IT Ops podcast brought to you by New Relic. This is episode 11, the full interview. For all things application performance management, AI ops, digital transformation, and more, check out www.apmdigest.com. Our guest today is Andrew Tunal, General Manager of New Relic Serverless and Emerging Cloud Services. And now, your host of the podcast, industry veteran, consultant, and analyst, Andy Thurai. Welcome to the AI and IT Ops podcast. I am Andy Thurai, founder and principal at thefieldcto.com home of unbiased emerging technology advisory services. Today, we have Andrew Tanal from New Relic, who will be discussing an interesting topic, distributed tracing. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks. So last time when we were discussing about observability, you brought up this concept, the distributed tracing concept, which is, of course, one of the core elements of main observability, very deep technical topic. I've really wanted you to come in on the podcast so we can, you know, discuss about this. So uh, let's start out with this because it's such a heavy topic. Why don't we start out by you explaining to our audience what distributed tracing is and why does it matter for microservices and container-based workload observability? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think really it's a reflection of the changing characteristic of what modern software workloads look like. Increasingly, not only do you have services that communicate with external components like databases or third-party services, I mean, that's been around for a long time, really since the advent of web applications, but most companies that are building modern applications are actually building them as composites with many services. And so, you know, it really, frankly, doesn't matter how you architect the underlying infrastructure. You could be building it with small containers on Kubernetes, you could be using Docker, you could be using serverless, you could still be using, you know, bare metal or IIS.NET services. It, it really, frankly, doesn't matter. But you see this decomposition from a service that was really this routing front end followed by business logic and maybe a data access layer to a bunch of small, individually deployable services. And this is part of the larger microservices trend. And traditional metrics-based instrumentation that observes everything from the center of this monolithic application just doesn't work very well once you have to cross service boundaries. And so if you think about very modern application, let's say it's a web request that hits a managed API gateway from a cloud provider like AWS, then maybe goes into a couple API methods that are driven using Lambda functions, um, which is serverless. And maybe a few of them actually are, they deal with some like object persistence or something. And so they're Kubernetes containers. You can quickly rationalize how like no individual components metrics will give you a very complete picture. And so you need the ability to actually trace through each of these individual components as part of this composite application to understand what's happening. I'll also just point out the obvious, which is that the human brain is really good at pattern recognition. But in order to do that, we actually need a fair number of examples of, of patterns. And we need baseline patterns. We need to understand outliers. We need that high cardinality data. Much of that gets lost in traditional metrics because of cardinality limitations. Traces, on the other hand, through distributed tracing, really give you those number of individual examples so that your brain can really process, do I see something that's actually wrong with my system? And then can I drill down to that individual component and maybe do some more advanced analytics there? So you mentioned the microservices and container for a couple of times. Is this distributed tracing and, and the 
the other concept we're going to talk about. Is it only applicable to containers, cubes-based microservices? Can also the regular services and or monolithic applications use this if they are a distributed application? Yes. I mean, tra- trace libraries contain the ability to trace between threads. They do trace propagation across service boundaries. So, you know, the underlying instrumentation is much the same. It just really provides that parent-child relationship that stitches. And maybe for your listeners, it's helpful to really understand what goes into a distributed tracing system, which is you have this underlying instrumentation library. There are many out there. It really started with like Jaeger and Zipkin. New Relics had its own uh, proprietary distributed tracing technology built into its agent technologies for a few years now. Overwhelmingly, the industry is starting to consolidate around some open instrumentation standards that really started with open tracing, but has really evolved into open telemetry. And really, it's these set of SDKs that will automatically generate this base telemetry type, which is called a span. And spans really measure a chunk of time about what's happening in your system, whether it's an internal process or whether it's a third-party service dependency or another service within your distributed system. They contain attributes that describe it at very high card And then their spans get stitched together in parent-child relationships as things get propagated. So there's actual libraries within the instrumentation that handle how this data gets propagated onward. And then it gets collected, ingested into a system like New Relic, where we actually index the data, and then we make it searchable and queryable. So that, you know, if you get a metrics-based alert on one of your systems, you can then say, okay, I want to go view the relevant traces. And we actually show you the list of those high cardinality examples that we've collected. There was also a nuance we discussed, head-based versus uh, tail-based sampling, which is very intriguing. What exactly is the difference between the head and tail-based sampling? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So almost ubiquitously, everything that's available to most um, users who are doing distributed tracing, and this is really since the advent of trace libraries, um, has used something called head-based tracing. And which, what this really means is at the head of a request, at the very beginning of a request chain where a series of services are doing tracing, you either have some deterministic property that says, oh, hey, you know, this is a low enough traffic volume, or this is a certain type of request. Or you have a, I'll say, pseudo-random generation concept that says, we're going to trace this request. That's usually a percentile base. So you'll say, we're going to trace through 1% of all the requests that this first service sees. And then it actually propagates context to all downstream services saying, hey, a trace is in progress, so that those services respect the idea of tracing it. That means 1% of all requests through your distributed systems will get a trace propagated through them. This has, you know, a lot of value. It gives you a pretty representative idea of what's happening through your system. So if you want to go look at requests to understand the character of request paths, or what specific requests are doing generally, it's really quite valuable. But it has some obvious downside. And that obvious downside is that because you're making the decision as to whether or not to trace at the very head of the request, you don't actually know the character of the request at that point. You don't know if it's a long-running request, which would be you know, obviously very interesting if you're trying to troubleshoot duration issues. You don't know if an error occurred. And so the, the result is that the cardinality you need of those examples for the specific troubleshooting that you'd want to do doesn't necessarily exist. And if it does, it's it's somewhat luck. 
Tail-based tracing, on the other hand, introduces this notion of emitting all of the telemetry from the systems that you're examining in its entirety to some sort of collection scheme that then makes a decision as to whether or not to retain it. And we have a tail-based tracing system we introduced. It's called infinite tracing. It's, it's a solution. But the notion is that you send data to this collector and then you have a series of algorithms, um, some of which are adjustable by, by users, some of which aren't. And th those algorithms basically make a decision as to whether or not to retain the data. And so those could be things like an error exists on any measurement, any span within the trace, or the trace itself, or even a span itself falls outside some sort of uh, duration outlier percentile, right? So within the past N traces, this particular trace is in the P99 plus percentile retained. Or it has a particular attribute that you care about, right? Maybe it's a customer ID that's particularly sensitive, or maybe it has a new version and some percentile of your traffic is being exposed to a new version of your code and you want to sample it in its entirety for some period of time. All of those types of things could influence a tail-based tracing decision, which says, I'm going to retain this data and index it and make it available for user review. So the result is that, let's say you are troubleshooting a duration problem, you are much more likely to see a number of examples of that particular issue that will allow your brain to then create patterns to understand what's going on. Okay, so well then let me ask you a layman's question then. Um, is one better than the other? And, and more importantly, which one is the most commonly used in, in the observability systems right now? Head-based tracing is by far the most commonly used. Almost every vendor in the space, by default, has head-based tracing. There are a few, including New Relic, that offer tail-based tracing solutions. There easy, there's even some like 100% retention solutions floating around. My belief, and you know, this is obviously biased because we chose to really, based on our conversations with our customers, pursue a managed tail-based tracing solution. My belief is that like 100% retention solutions that largely contain data that's duplicative of data that you're already storing in log are just top prohibitive and not all that useful for data you're unlikely to look at. Ultimately, most customers don't retain traces forever. They retain logs for a lot longer. So during that week-long window when you have that trace data, if you're very unlikely to look at it, it doesn't have a lot of business value for you to pay to index and retain it. I think the challenge for tail-based tracing, broadly speaking, has always been that the technical implementation of it. The most solutions that existed in the market segment essentially pushed the burden onto users themselves to figure out how to actually manage the infrastructure to collect this volume of data. And they gave them you know, a, a container image or something that had the algorithms built in. But in large part, right, it didn't contain any of the redundancy, failover, automated clustering, things that you know actually make it a robust system and if you view this type of telemetry as critical telemetry forensic telemetry for your engineers to be able to troubleshoot issues not having things like the ability to fail over gracefully and still handle data without a lot of loss becomes pretty problematic. And so adoption, you know, I think is, is has been fairly slow, tail-based tracing technologies. And that's in large part why we kind of took a different tactic. Okay. Um, now that we got out of the way, let's discuss something very important. You said the tail-based sampling collects a lot of data and stores a lot of data. And the data volumes, and particularly in IT operations, are skyrocketing. Especially some of the IT ops teams are 
are drowning, not able to cope up with the data. With the increasing data volumes and the introduction of the edge use cases, which even drives people nuts to an extent, the ops people that is, <laughs> by, by producing even more data, how can the tail-based architecture tracing be helpful in this situation? Would it help or hurt? Again, I, I think in this situation, a tail-based tracing as opposed to a collect-everything paradigm is hugely advantageous. Tail-based tracing allows you to essentially observe 100% of the data. You're performing real-time analysis of the data that is streaming through the tail-based tracing system, but you don't have to actually accrue the cost of sending it to a persistence layer and an indexing layer. In an indexing scenario, we actually look at the entire trace and then we pick out some characteristics that will be interesting for searchability or interesting when they get correlated to an alert or a particular metric. It also gets saved to disk, right? Because it has to be available for you to actually asynchronously go query the data. And all of that's like relatively expensive compared to just looking at it in memory and deciding to, on whether you're or not you're going to make a, a retention choice. So tail-based tracing deals much more gracefully with large data volumes. I'll also say, you know, one of the things that we really decided to do when we built New Relic Edge was build our, our edge-based, tail-based tracing solution, both geographically close to customers' workloads. So what that means is if you're running one system in AWS US East One and another system on the West Coast of the United States, you can actually send telemetry for those separated systems to different geolocations. It, it both is cheaper for customers and also reduces latency. But it also allows this like concept of uh, workload sharding, which I think is a, a nice distributed systems pattern generally. The long and short of it is we viewed our system that processes your telemetry data as a distributed system in and of itself. It needed to scale with your production system because it really is that source of truth about what's happening in a moment when you need to resolve an issue that's critical to your customers. Being able to rely on that telemetry system to know it will scale with you. It has fault tolerance. It is going to persist data is, is pretty critical. That is the key right there, right? I mean, I, I remember having a conversation with one of our large customers a few years ago when we were talking about, you know, how much of uh, edge-generated data you need to store or process and analyze. We were having this discussion. If, let's say, three, five, ten consecutive times, if uh, edge produces the data which is identical to the previous one, what's the need for you to store all of that? Ten times repetitive copy. you got to have a different way to do that. And pretty similar to that is what uh, tail-based sampling does, is basically you get to monitor and measure the whole thing. At the end of the sampling period, you get to decide, you know what, do I want to keep this or throw it away, right? That's right, yep. Cool, that's an interesting concept. The AI and ITFs podcast will be back shortly. I'm Pete Golden, the publisher of APM Digest, and I just want to take a break for a minute to talk to you about New Relic, the sponsor that brought you this podcast today. New Relic has done something a little out there. They reworked everything. See, they've been actually listening when people talk about blind spots or being stuck with a dozen different tools or getting hit with hidden costs. First, they went open source, making it so you can actually instrument what you need. Then they made it so you can monitor your whole stack in one place, including serverless. You can use telemetry data from any source for ridiculously cheap, and there's one UI with all your tools. And they completely changed their pricing so you can easily predict it. This is advantageous because who has time to troubleshoot their bill? Best of all, there's a free tier with one user and 100 gigabytes per month, totally free. So you can really make sure it works before you pay a dime. New Relic is definitely worth another look. 
check it out at newrelic.com. Observability made simple. And now back to the podcast. So does having different algorithms help with the scenario, meaning uh, the AI and ML is, is becoming, you know, big time theme here in the IT apps. Can it make a dent here? If so, what can it do to improve the situation? That's a good question. So I, I think there are two components. I mean, one, we made the choice to have kind of several algorithms in play to, to get data that we think is meaningful to customers. And so we chose to have a few duration selection algorithms that largely cluster data and then pick outliers. We have a default algorithm that just picks errors. So it samples 100% of traces that contain a span with an error. And then we had a, a pseudo random request generation path, which just took a a set percentile of of requests. And I think for most customers, that works out nicely. I will say on the topic of scale, we have some customers that operate at really impressive scale. For one of their workloads, as an example, uh, they might generate 100 million spans a minute, which is a lot of data. I mean, that's roughly 50 gigs-ish of data a minute that's coming through that edge pipeline. So, you know, even if we sample you know, 1% of random data and 3% are duration outliers and half a percent are errors. I mean, that's still like almost 5% of traces that will get sampled, which turns out to be a lot of data, right? And in terms of span volume, it's actually overweight relative to percentages because things that have errors, you know, tend to like accrue a lot of retries, which contain spans. Things that uh, are duration outliers might go down a service path that has like an N plus one query. So there's a lot of data getting generated. But, you know, the result is that I think there's no good or bad. There's what's the baseline and then what can customers do to make it better? We introduced this kind of concept of customizing your algorithm a little bit. And there's actually a ton of strength in what we did architecturally, where I mentioned, you know, sharding, it's not only helpful from the perspective of sharding your workload for scale, you can create many endpoints where you can route workload data in different regions so that you can take advantage of scale. But it's also tremendously valuable in kind of segregating these rule setups. So maybe in your staging workload, you want to actually retain 100% of traces for a minute following a new build in production. Maybe the number is 100% for a particular version and a very low percentile for the rest. And that type of customization really allows you to dial the right retention and the right cardinality of data you need. Yeah, sharding is an interesting concept. I love to talk about it, but I don't think we'll have uh, we'll do justice in covering that in this short one. Uh, you you did mention about a hundred million spans a minute. Uh, that sounds like a lot of data. Is, is that considered a normal data or on the higher side for most customers? Yeah, I'd say that's on the higher side for most customers. I would say like, you know, if you look at internet scale companies that are out there and, and there's a number of, you know, not New Relic related, but interesting third-party posts on trading, which is increasingly becoming a very valuable tool for, you know, companies like Slack. It's not unreasonable for them to generate that volume or greater of traffic across many workloads. Okay, so this is all sound very, uh, how should I put that, very theoretical? For someone listening, can this fit into a, say, multi-cloud, hybrid cloud scenario to some of the, the mess we are in now? 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think what one of the uh, this I guess this is not so much specific to tracing as a tool because I think tracing is pretty ubiquitously now seen as part of the core telemetry for folks who are doing observability. But you know, I think the solutions around tail-based tracing, the solutions around tracing from a vendor perspective, really do help tell a multi-cloud story. If you look at the vendor proprietary kind of trace collection endpoints, whether it's X-ray or or formerly Stackdriver or other. They're very specific to telemetry generated from kind of the managed services that exist on the cloud provider or a, a thin SDK that is formerly not even been that been open standards has been somewhat proprietary for customers individually instrumented services. So it's individual collection points. My personal bias is that I don't think it would be wise for most customers to do multi-cloud workloads. The fact is we do see customers who have hybrid cloud deployments and multi-cloud deployments where they're operating different parts of their business or they're operating different geographic workloads on different cloud providers or on-premises. The ability to kind of locally collect data and then send it to a centralized provider like New Relic or any one of the other providers that are in the space is pretty important for you to be able to get that single pane of glass into all of your workloads across your business. I was actually in a briefing today with the vendor as my other role as an analyst, and they were talking about, um, this is one of the other um, observability tools. Uh, Multiple times they talked about in-depth instrumentation. Wondering what does it even mean? Uh, Are there other kinds? I mean, how is that any different than uh, say, light instrumentation? That's a great question. I mean, you know, without kind of getting into the specifics of what all of the vendors in the space do, you know, I think one of New Relic's hallmarks has always been pulling back a, a lot of meaningful information about what's happening inside your services. And so if you look at our automated instrumentation history, you know, we're, we're pulling back a lot of metrics, general measurements about what's happening in your service, but we're also pulling back a lot of high cardinality information. You know, we pull on a database request to a SQL server, we'll pull, pull back query information as a result. I would categorize like light instrumentation as kind of general metrics measurements, maybe data between endpoints, just measurements of general error rate or throughput for a single service, whereas in-depth instrumentation really gives you some of that, that high cardinality. Specific to tracing, it is very specifically in-depth instrumentation. The Most of the, the out-of-the-box tracing libraries that are becoming standardized in the industry have kind of a, you know, a, a general series of measurements, but they also provide a whole bunch of APIs for you as an engineer to use to actually do more to instrument your code and get more depth. And when we're talking about trace data as a telemetry type, so spans and the underlying traces, that level of depth really is what's meaningful, right? I mean, you're you're looking for the different characteristics of similar requests so that you can identify what's different or why in this particular instance, this request path results in a, a longer running duration or an error. But how can this help the uh, hyperscaling and or serverless environment though? I mean, is, is it useful at all in that scenario? Because almost everybody's moving to that ish environment now. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, again, this goes back to why tracing in general is useful, right? It's serverless, and I would say, like, you know, the micro and even more so nano services trends mean that you have more and more things that just don't get captured by that service-centric measurement lens, where you see the next service outbound that you're making the request for. You see that there's a duration problem, but you can't understand what's kind of underneath the hood. Tracing gives you that, right? It gives you that path 
through all of those child services so that you can see what's causing the issue. These problems have existed a long time, but you know, there are certain problems that you can only see with like high cardinality information. And you know, good examples like an N plus one query where you see a metric that has a SQL update as an example that shows it as taking a big chunk of time. And until you actually generate the underlying telemetry of each update statement that got made and understand that it was making 150 update statements instead of consolidating them as part of a downstream service, you don't understand that it's the the actual query creation that was the problem, not, you know, like an index problem or something like that. So for anybody who um, who follows the CNCF, there are like, you know, it's more than a page now. It's, it's a, you know, few hundred open source tools that are available doing portions of this. And then there's also this open telemetry concept uh, that a lot of people are starting to adopt. How does all that fit in into this, the open source tools, open telemetry concept, all of this? Yeah, that's a great question. I mentioned, you know, most of the early tracing projects were really outcomes from companies that had a vested interest in generating trace data because they were building massively distributed systems and there weren't really commercial or open source solutions at the time for them to implement that gave them the data they needed. It went from these original kind of several open source projects that were propagated by companies that had different standards that, you know, they might have had similar data transmission standards, but the underlying schema of the data was different. The trace IDs were different. The parenting IDs were different. It kind of transitioned into a few of the vendors in the space, New Relic included, building some proprietary wire formats, some proprietary tracing schemes into their underlying agents, their underlying instrumentation. We kind of, as an industry, uh, a few years back, had an actual agreement at the W3C level around trace interoptability that basically created agreement where we could use common trace identifiers across vendors or instrumentation libraries. And then as the CNCF has really consolidated around providing a unified set of tools for these next generation distributed systems and cloud native systems, the various standards that were proposed like open tracing, et cetera, really consolidated around this notion of open telemetry as being the future. And so I, you may have seen it, but New Relic had a, we, we had a blog post a few months ago about how we're really investing heavily in open telemetry. Not only does it give customers, you know, the, the ability to instrument across vendors, which I think is critical in modern companies that might be quite large and have a variety of teams using different tools for different purposes, but really then they only have to learn one set of libraries. Uh, we all are investing and instrumentation and upgrading the core telemetry. And then, you know, that means that companies like New Relic get to invest more in how we actually collect and display and provide insight into the underlying data that you've instrumented. Awesome. Thanks so much, Andrew, for that great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. So you heard from Andrew. Do you agree, disagree, or if you have an opinion, let me know. Let's discuss this further. Also, if you'd like to be part of our podcast, let me know as well. Until next episode. So long and stay safe.